as we read in this week's Torah portion, you see the reminder of what Aaron is to do, but also it specifically talks about, in chapter 16, the Yom Kippur sacrifice. And then we have in chapter 17 another very important verse. Verse 1711. That the life is in the blood, and he has given it to us as a sacrifice so that our sins can be forgiven. Blood is such an important part. We can't live without blood, right? You know, we can live without an arm or an eye or an ear or teeth. You can even live without a nose. You might look a little funny, but you can live with it, right? But without that blood in our bodies, our lives no longer exist. And so he has given it to us so that it's as a reminder. That's why we're not to eat animals with blood in it. We're not to drink the blood. You know, this kind of, it's always been kind of interesting to me when you see some churches that believe that when he says, take this is my body and drink this is my blood, that we're literally drinking his blood and eating his bodies. That would make us, of course, cannibalist and against God's word because we're not supposed to eat one another and we're not supposed to drink blood. So we know that that is not the case and he was showing that those were symbols of what he has done for us. But what it also is a reminder of those two animals. The two goats, they would be picked out and they weren't just ones at random, they actually, the scripture says that, that they were to, to look alike. Can we turn that down, please? So, sorry, we had a little hiccup there. And, um, I lost my track. No, we had the two rams. And their choices were very important. As we look at it and understand, they had to be almost identical in size and in value. In other words, one wasn't better than the other. One wasn't chosen because of its looks or its betterness or not looks or betterness. But one was chosen both by the casting of lots. One would then be put on the altar. The other, our prayers, our sins would be put upon it, laid on its head. And it would be then sent out into the wilderness. It's called the Yazel. The word means a scapegoat. That's where that term comes from. And it would be brought out into there and cast our sins away. So they may not return. And we see here a very important thing. How God wants us to live in our lives. See, we have a choice to make. How are we going to atone for our sins? The rabbis of today will tell you it's good deeds that will get you into heaven. But that's not what the Word of God says. See, the Word of God is very clear. That we have to have blood atonement for our sins. And when we have that blood atonement, that our sins are not only forgiven, but they're wiped away. But the blood of the ram, or the lamb, only gives us a partial covering. We had to have something greater. We had to have the ultimate sacrifice take place. And that's through Yeshua, our Messiah, who not only covers our sins, but wipes them clean through his blood, 
See, he had to die and raise, be raised again. And he shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven. How are you looking at things in your life? You have choices to make. How are you making them? Are you looking at it from a godly point of view or from a worldly point of view? You know, it used to be very popular in the, I guess, the 80s and 90s. They had bracelets that came out that said WWJD. What would Jesus, what would Yeshua do, right? And here's the funny thing. The Jewish community came up with that idea first. It's called the seat seat. It's called the, the, what's on the prayer of our, our garments, right? It's the reminder of God's word. It's a reminder of what happens. And, and the idea is that when you, you're seen, and if you're going to go sin and you see this, you're supposed to remember and not sin. There was a story that a man was going to sin and his seat seat came up and slapped him on the face to remind him not to do it. And we need those things in our, in our lives today so that we make the right choice. Because even though we try to be perfect, guess what? We're not. We're going to fall short. And we need that atonement for our lives. But there is no temple standing today. Did God say, I'm done with everybody, you're all on your own? Or did he make us a promise? The book of Daniel tells us of that promise. That the Messiah would come before the destruction of the second temple. That is a key thing because we had to have temp the temple for our worship. We can't go make a sacrifice today. So the rabbis have come up with this alternate plan. I think we should make an app. You, know, you put in everything you did good that day, you put in the things you didn't do so good, and we'll give you a rating. And at the end of your life, you hopefully have a, a more good than bad, and you'll be okay. But I guess if you, know, you don't have enough good, maybe you can uh, buy uh, credits and, and, and put it up. Right? And that way you, your good will, will be better than your bad. But that doesn't work. That doesn't get us into heaven. That doesn't get us atoned for our sins. God is calling us to a better place. He's calling us to a higher authority. And that's what we see in the scripture this week. You know, it's interesting, in chapter 16, he tells us to do this, and then in 17, he tells us why we're to do it. Why the blood? That was what's so important. See, people claim Yeshua to be the Messiah, but he wasn't really the Messiah until he rose from the dead. That's what gave him that authority that we knew that he was truly the Messiah. Because we saw the proof. We know the story that the soldier went and pierced his heart. Traditionally they would do when, the, when they were trying to kill someone who was on the cross and to let them suffer less, they would break their legs so that they couldn't stretch up to breathe. Before he was able to do that, and of course, it would have nullified him as the sacrificial lamb. Because he can have no broken bone. And the scripture tells us that when the Roman soldier pierced his heart, that water and blood came out. 
showing he had a broken heart. And we see the importance of this in our lives. See, God loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son. And he put him on the altar for us. And he allowed him to be that ultimate sacrificial lamb. He took all of our sins upon him and washed him away. Past, present, and future. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's the kind of God that gets us through these trials and tribulations we have in our life. One's made by the world and one's made by God will still get us through knowing our faith in Him. You know, these last few weeks have been very trying for many people. But we know that God is still in control. He hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't forsaken us. In fact, He's protected, I think, us. This virus could have been a lot worse than it was. But God is showing that He is a gracious God, a loving God. And people are turning back to Him. We're seeing people tune into this ministry all around the world. God has given us a choice. We get to pick what we do and how we serve Him. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Those are strong words to be said. This week's Torah portion shows us what has to be done. And that God wants it done in a very specific way. When you start reading how the, the high priest was to be prepared and how he is to sprinkle it in the number of times, God doesn't want us to just go do things ourselves. He wants us to follow him. Follow what he says. Obey his commandments. And that's what makes it so special. You know, the rabbis say they knew that the time of the temple was coming to an end before our Messiah's return, or before our Messiah was, was also recognized. We know it happened in 70 A.D., but it started back about 30 years, 40 years before that. See, the rabbis tell us that around 33 A.D., the time of our Messiah's death, that four things stopped happening, which was a sign for them to know that God was not pleased with what was going on in the temple and that its destruction was coming forth. One of them was that the cedar doors that would uh, open to the temple. These doors were extremely heavy and very tall and would take numerous men to open them. They started opening and closing on their own. And no, they didn't have WD-40 back then. The other thing the scripture tells us is that the shamus candle, the serving candle that was on the menorah that would keep it lit and would continue to light the other one so that it was never uh, burn out would not stay lit. These were signs for them of things to come. Also, when they picked for the Azel, it was considered good luck if it came up in the right hand. But for 40 years, it came up in the left hand. The odds of that are almost impossible. Could you imagine, take, just to give you an idea, 
take a quarter and flip it up in the air 40 times, what are the chances of 40 times in a row it comes on heads? You'll be doing it for a very, very long time. And that's what we see taking place. God was telling us that things were coming to an end. But he had already put into place a way for our atonement. The fourth thing that would happen was the scarlet cloth that they would tie around the two rams to determine them, the ones that were to be sacrificed. It says when they would take it into the, the temple, the one that was taken in to be sacrificed, they would tie his ribbon on the door of the temple. And then when the sacrifice was done, that it would turn white as snow. Isaiah the prophet tells us about that as well. But it said it stopped doing that around 33 A.D. Why was God no longer accepting the sacrifice of the ram? The answer is simple. He had already given us the ultimate sacrifice in his son Yeshua. That was the one that would get us our sins wiped away, not just covered for a season. That's what would get us to be able to worship with him in heaven. He had made it an easier way for us to be with him. All we had to do is accept Yeshua as that ultimate sacrifice. The, the yearly sacrifice was done, was, it's just a mere reminder of what the ultimate sacrifice Yeshua had paid for us on that day, on that cross. We're here to remember that and to honor it. So how are you going to choose your life? Are you going to follow man or follow God? I'll tell you right now, God wants you to follow him. He's giving you the choice, though, to make. See, he didn't make us into robots. We're not computers. Sometimes with us, one plus one doesn't equal two. We have a choice. We need to be able to make that choice. He's given us the free will to choose him. He's also given us the free will to choose the devil. But he wants us to follow his ways, his commandments. He gave us his son so that we could atone for our sins. And that's the best gift any of us can have. Young Kippur is a special time for me and my family, as not only did I come to know the Lord on Young Kippur, but my mother as well. And it was a time of remembering, a time of looking back and, and realizing, is God for real? The answer is yes. He's for real, and he's given us a choice. We need to understand what God is doing today. Soon we'll be going back to a, a new normal. But that new normal shouldn't change how we worship the Lord.
We might have to wash our hands more, but that just should be a reminder of the washing of our sins and how God has gotten rid of them once and for all. So I want to encourage you as we go through these next few weeks, keep up your faith. Keep up your being in the Word of God. Use this time of being at home instead of having to drive 30 minutes to an hour each way. Use that time to study the Word, to get deeper into God's plan, and watch how it changes your life. Let him give you that new spirit. Let him cleanse you and give you a, make you a new creature in him. Don't be that scapegoat. But be God's ultimate servant to him. Come and worship him. We have people all around the world watching us as we come together. And that's what God wants us to do from every tribe, tongue, and nation. So as we finish up with this time of isolation, we can rejoice and know that we'll be able to gather together once again very soon. But we can worship Him where we are right now. And God hears us. Since when two or more are gathered together in his name, well, guess what? We are gathered together in his name right now. We can literally move mountains. So I want to encourage you to seek the word. Let it lift you up and be rejoiced. And, we, and to pray that we'll be able to get back together soon and be able to worship and praise him in this building. We ask this in the Son Yeshua's name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Amen.